This morning's Dharma talk is titled "Free and Well Favored," and is uh, is from the, uh, the traditional teaching uh, called the Four Reminders, which turn the mind towards the Dharma or towards the truth. And the first uh, reminder is: first, contemplate the preciousness of being free and well favored. Difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful. A very simple little slogan. There's three more. I'm not going to go into those today, but free and well-favored. First contemplate the preciousness, the fundamental value of free. Freedom is kind of relative, of course. You can't fly yet. We're probably all working on it in your dreams. Uh, so, But we have uh, quite a bit of freedom, mobility, especially in this country so far. Things don't look real good, as you know. But uh, we'll, we're, we're free. We're free to be here. We're free not to be here. Free to be somewhere else. We're well-favored. The way I like to talk about well-favored is um, you're born with a, a mind that is open enough, uh, is uh, not particularly fixated, so that you could actually even hear a teaching like this. This is, a, this is quite a bit different than something that is being promoted from the point of view of trying to get you to believe in something or disbelieve in it. If you've listened to me much, you hear me talk about that all the time. Don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't ignore. That's, that's the middle way. You're just here, you're just present. Anytime anything arises, just watch the way, and this is not to condemn you or anything, but just watch the way that you, you we just can't resist but comment on it. Plus, minus, neutral. We're always in the process of awareness. If you do a lot of sitting practice, uh, the sitting practice itself may be entertaining, it may be boring, it may be exhausting, uh, just depending on your own karma, your own causes and conditions, uh, you will... Uh, have quite a bit, exter uh, quite a bit of a different experience than the person next to you or the other person that you're engaged with, talking to friends, sangha, community of uh, meditators. So uh, Cody and I were hanging out this morning talking about the Declaration of Independence. Remember that? <laughs> John Locke. John Locke. Yeah, we were saying that. Uh, he was saying that. I don't have a good memory, but we were saying how Thomas Jefferson. Uh, changed what John Locke said. John Locke said, uh, um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of property, which is actually what we do. But Jefferson changed it, even though he owned 100 people, uh, changed it to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, except for the people he owned. They couldn't pursue happiness. Kind of a sad situation. So it's a little bit different what we're talking about here. It has a, has a mundane or ordinary quality to it. Of course it does. We, we want to do well. We want to live, we want to eat, sleep, take care of our of people that we care about, our close friends, uh, relatives, distant friends. We want to uh, prosper, get along okay. And so the Buddhist teaching uh, goes a little further. It kind of lifts off, or it's kind of an anti-gravity machine, if you would. It's kind of a way of re releasing, not letting go necessarily, not deliberately letting go, which is aggressive, but actually watching how the consciousness, the awareness, who you actually are, your deep consciousness, actually is not as attached to this cause and effect world, the success and failure world, the eight worldly dharmas of I'm getting it, I'm not getting it, it's coming, it's going, and so on. All the polarities we all know about success and failure, praise and blame. So we're free to be here, we're well favored, and that we aren't so clogged up that we can actually hear something that might actually help us release our grip on on this as some kind of solid thing that we can, some kind of safety situation we can cling to, we cling to our body, we protect ourselves, we protect our reputation, 
and that whole protection is I'm not saying there's something wrong with that particularly, but the way in which we go about doing that uh, tends to uh, solidify or or cause a kind of fixation, solidification, um, grasping at the center of our identity that is about protecting ourselves. It's, uh, it can be very subtle. Even someone who is quite happy all the time seems to be quite uplifted and cheerful. Uh, if, if they come into any kind of threatening situation, then you find out what's happening you know, on the lower levels in the basement, in the foundation, and see if, if that consciousness of whoever they are, if they've actually got to know themselves, or if they've avoided certain things. You can avoid things for uh, 40, 50, 60, 70 weeks, months, years. You can avoid, and you can do it by distraction. Well, I'm, I'm doing this. Well, I'm doing, I'm uh, getting my my graduate degree, or I'm getting, I'm working on, and I'm in this job, and I have this kind of busyness, this kind of thing that I have to do. I have to do that. I have to make a living. Sometimes I have, I just recently had someone ask about, how do I, I know I need to do a retreat. How do I, how do I do that? I have, you know, relationships, job, and everything. And I say, uh, as it says in the uh, first reminder, first contemplate the preciousness of being free and well favored. Difficult to gain. I don't know how we got here. If you do, I'd like to, like to hear about it. In private, so we can patent it. <laughs> Free and well favored, uh, as I said, already commented on that. Difficult to gain, easy to lose. Uh, we, we know about that one, and now I must do something meaningful. And the meaningful part for us, if you if you want to receive this message, it's not propaganda particularly. It's just based on I've been looking at something for a long time. Uh, here I am, and you're here. So for this short period of time, you're kind of giving me permission to say stuff, and that's what I intend to do. If nobody shows up, I stay home. I wouldn't necessarily go out and try to drum up listeners. It may look like that. But this has come about very slowly. This has taken a long, long time to, for this to happen. And it was a lot of time was just sitting still, looking at how crazy I am and not fighting with it. Difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful. Meaningful is the way I say this is train your mind. You don't have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to join Buddhism. There are a lot of Buddhists that feel like, well, there's only one way to do this. You have to do, you have to study this, you have to study this, you have to get this empowerment from this Lama, or you have to study under this Zen master. You don't have to study under anybody. I'm here to tell you that as somebody who's studied under people. I think it helps, but you don't have to. What you do have to do or not, do whatever you want to do. Free and well favored. You're free to continue to churn up more and more samsara, life after life after life. I'm not saying you've ever had a past life. I'm not even saying you're having this one. <laughs> <laughs> Train your mind. Find out who you are. Now I must do something meaningful. That's probably the most important part of that. What is fundamentally meaningful to you? It might be life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, like it says in the Declaration of Independence. The, the, the American dream is extremely materialistic, and the American dream is just kind of a, you know, just something to chat about. So life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we're not saying uh, that it's not about happiness. Of course it is. We, we want to be, all beings want to be happy. We, we all want to be happy, but the way we go about it is to project onto what something is, the happiness part, and then project onto what the barrier is, and then we busy ourselves trying to get around or remove or dissolve the barrier. And um, big corporations take advantage of you doing that, and will just market the daylights out of you, especially if you have a smartphone. Which uh, Is there anybody in here that doesn't have a smartphone other than Shazon? Is he the only Luddite? You're a Luddite. <laughs> that's 
that's another, you, you all heard about Luddites, that's a, an ancient lineage of Buddhism. That's even better, or worse. <laughs> yeah, you guys use the same phone. No, we have, we have two phones now. Oh, you do have two? Yeah. No, I don't get any. <laughs> <laughs> or share your number. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> I thought about, I really thought, I'm sure everybody has about, just, sometimes it gets so very aggravating. But we're all kind of uh, tied into it and addicted to it. So we should, uh, as I say about everything, include. And no matter how bad something gets, try to find a way to include everything. Don't exclude. Exclusion is probably about trying to make some kind of artificial happiness. And it just doesn't last. Uh, there's a, the, the pleasure kind, and then there's the, uh, as we were listening to on the, this uh, thing that my, one of my sons sent me, sent us. Um, what was the differentiation between the, just like I do with the nerve endings and that kind of thing, but I can't remember how he phrased it. Pleasure and happiness. Yeah, he was differentiating between pleasure, which is uh, you get addicted to, you can, and happiness, which is uh, doesn't have the same kind of ground. So happiness from the point of view of, uh, of Buddhism is uh, no self, no other. It's seeing a fundamental nature. You don't have to make peace, just stop making war. You don't have to. You don't have to stop making for war. Just see that you make war. If you see that you make war, it, it will settle itself. It will. There, there isn't any personality or identity there to do anything about it. If there is, then there's some kind of ignorance going on, and there's some kind of passion aggression. There's some kind of three poisons are operating in some way to get something else to happen. The second noble truth of the Buddha is wanting things to be different than they are. There's difficulty, discomfort, dissatisfaction. But we don't like it. We're not saying you should like it. We're saying that when you sit down, when you meditate, when, when you step out of your out of your off of your cushion and go into your everyday life, don't object, don't agree, don't look away. So whatever's happening, insofar as you can, don't don't go along with it uh, necessarily. Don't necessarily agree with it, but also don't shut down on it based on your preconceptions. Watch the way when something occurs that you project onto it. We all do it all the time. How do I know about it? I do it every day, every every morning, every noon, every night. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night, set my alarm, just deliberately to wake up and project on stuff. <laughs> but it, it's, a, and it's, it's about, as I say over and over again, it's about awareness. If you, can just, if you could just find that other gear, whatever it is, that it's about the awareness, you could say it's neutral. And it's not about going forward, going backward, or shutting off the engine. It's, it's just about the awareness, and it's just about including and this is the beginning of your discovery of not only of wisdom, the wisdom mind, but also uh, compassion. Compassion is not particularly a feeling. It might have uh, qualities or, uh, around it that have, have a feeling component. Sometimes they're overwhelming and extremely strong. But compassion itself is just complete emptiness. That doesn't mean the kind of emptiness where uh, the relative kind where something was there and now it's gone. It, it is emptiness from the point of view of no separation. It is empty of any kind of separation. It certainly looks separate, doesn't it? Everywhere we look, anything we do, anything we see is full, flooded with the, what uh, Buddhism is called the 10,000 things. That was, it's actually 10 million. No, it's, uh, you can't really count it. Did we ever count that yet? 700 billion. 700 billion, yeah. There's 750 billion people on the earth. Nobody's correcting me. 
<laughs> That's because nobody's listening. <laughs> One time I said that similar thing in here, and my, my son Aaron, who's uh, not here today, of course, but he, he corrected me immediately. No, they're not. There's only, and then he told me whatever it was, $750 million. <laughs> I don't really care. Uh, and I would like to know who counted those. Yeah. I've done some counting myself, and it takes a long time to get to a hundred thousand. Yes. So, what is the I don't really care? What is when I said I don't really care? Um, I don't know. Because recently, did I do something wrong? No, I'm I'm just curious about that. What what might we mean by that? Uh, we had a illustration of that with the first lady who went down to the border and had a, her jacket. Oh yeah. Said, well, that's a good point. I don't really care, so, and I use that phrase. Yeah, well, I think maybe just then it's like it's part of what I'm saying. Of course, I care about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at it, but I'm saying it's not a priority. So that would be my way. I don't know what was going on with that writing on the back of her thing. That was so very odd. I don't know if anyone's ever come up with. Do you? Oh, <laughs> you have a question? What's your question? Um, about the four reminders. Yes. So you said something about it's the four reminders that turn the mind towards the Dharma. Yes. And uh, mind seems like a pretty ambiguous word, so could you say something about that particular use yes. of the mind? So it turns the mind or turns the the attention or that, that area of the consciousness that is on receive, uh, receiving. All of your sense fields, uh, there, are, there are nerve endings, so to speak, of different kinds in, in your, your sight and your touch, taste, uh, uh, odor, uh, hearing, and, and the mind are all receiving. We don't even know that we know where they come from, where sounds are coming from, or colors, because we can see the object, or we can see the, the bird chirping, or whatever. But the mind, is a, that's a different level. It's a deeper level of consciousness. We don't actually know what it is, but we know uh, what it does. It, it produces all kinds of, it's kind of odd if you look at it and try to see what a thought is. We have thoughts. We all say, well, what are you thinking? We'll say, not much. What are you thinking? Well, I was trying to think about what you were thinking, but I can't tell what you're thinking because you're not telling me. So, you know, we, we can go on and on and we can go into silly circles about that, but we can't really find a thought. Uh, we can't find that something that appears like uh, it doesn't seem to have a front and a back or a middle. And so when we say, turn, when what Chazan's asking about turns the mind towards the Dharma, the idea there is that we begin to uh, look at the fundamental nature. We take the mind that has been kind of um, uh, enamored of and fascinated by and seduced by this kind of thought and that kind of thought. And I like it. I like it. That's a thought. Oh, I don't like that. I don't care for that. If you talk to anybody or listen to any conversation between two people at Starbucks, just you don't have to eavesdrop particularly more than a couple of minutes. And you'll see what we, how we keep this whole thing going of this illusion that we're separate separate beings with different ideas and opinions and and we uh it's kind of a highly highly form uh, highly polished form of uh um uh, egocentrism not bad i'm not saying that people are terrible they shouldn't do that i'm just saying that we very carefully avoid 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 and we we do that avoidance through grasping at things we do it through rejecting things and shutting down or turn away. And it can be very soft, so you don't really show up as particularly manipulative. But your life's going to end, and, and it can end today. It could end tomorrow. I mean, it could end, as it says, at the, at the end of these, uh, this situation, uh, and one of the uh, reminders, death comes without warning. This body will be a corpse. So train your mind so that you can see 
what we did, we didn't decide to come here, and now that we're here, and I, I say I was saying at the talk yesterday, go look in the mirror and see how much control you've had so far. You know, like I would have made a lot bigger ears for myself, so I could hear better. I would have had a bigger nose. That's all for the going. But we have we have wishes or hopes, dreams, uh, and aspirations about all kinds of things. And we're not saying, I'm not saying, because those are particularly wrong, just saying that uh, what uh, Chazan's asking about turns these turn the mind towards the Dharma. They actually turn the mind, especially this particular one, but they all do, um, towards what is fundamentally uh, true and what, what fundamentally needs to be uh, observed. This isn't to say that you can't leave here and go never meditate. Go do something else. And I sometimes say, don't, don't believe anything I say. If I've said something that is important or it's helpful, probably won't forget it. You probably reflect on it, or you you may dismiss the whole thing out of hand. But turning the mind towards the Dharma is to the idea there is to find out what is this is basically as far as we know what the Buddha did 2,500 years ago when he saw sickness, aging, and death. He was in his castle, and as the story goes, and I'm sure somebody has fluffed that up a little bit, so it's a little bit more uh, like a uh, uh, what do they call that? Fiction? Yeah, fiction. So we don't really know what happened, but the way it's presented is he saw sickness. He saw someone who was sick, uh, saw a corpse, and saw someone who was very, very old, and he saw a, a, a mendicant or a monk. So he kind of looked at that. And this is just the way that it's presented. Who knows what he saw? But he did want to find out what what is this? So he uh, left and went off, in the, as the story goes, for six years and endeavored to, to find out what the mind is and who he was and what sickness, aging, and death was and what suffering was. And uh, he, that's where the, his teachings come, come out of. Everything is dependently arisen. He actually saw that there was no solid, separate beings anywhere. It, they, it just looks like it. And uh, everything in the relative world is, is uh, cheering that thing on to the point of pe people can become dictators and or, or terrible, ter mistreat, kill millions of people. And then other people completely dedicate their lives to saving others, to being with others. People are nurses and doctors and... Uh, uh, and you know, occasionally, statesmen, stateswomen are, are, are their whole motivation. You, you just talk to them for minutes and for a few minutes. And they're all about helping others. They want to help others. It's not. It's about others' happiness. There's too, and some people want to help others and just want to be seen as somebody who helps others. So they'll try to act as much as they can, like so that the people looking at them won't judge them as a, a bad nurse. You, you've never been judged as a bad nurse, have you? Jesse. <laughs> so, but that, like that kind of profession, uh, usually there's some kind of inspiration to, to help, just like teachers and other people do that, who work hard in that area. But if you go into any area without training the mind, without, without really seeing training, going down and seeing who you are, it's not a matter of coming up with some kind of great enlightened idea. It's not even a matter of being enlightened, particularly. Enlightenment is just a it's just kind of an advertisement. So the actual situation is you just see what's true, and it's not particularly a big deal. But if you if you don't see what's true, and you go out uh, into the world uh, half explored, then you you can you'll do fine unless you run into trouble. But if you run into any trouble, and that could be anything from somebody uh, criticizing you, which makes your you know defensiveness come come up, or complimenting you, which makes your Pride kind of swell up. Like, yep, I guess I'm doing pretty good. People like me. We all know people who are very sensitive to being liked. And then 
Uh, and it can be so difficult that you go out in an area where you feel you want your your conscious motivation is you want peace. You want everyone to stop fighting you. Uh, but you will go out into an area where there's a lot of aggression going on, and, and then that starts to rattle, uh, that starts to resonate. It's like the, the metaphor we've used, I've used several times, is sometimes when the temperature, the humidity is just right, then that, the, the drum is just has the right tension or the right tone, and you strike that drum, this particular window down here will rattle. None of the other ones rattle. They're all ignoring the drum. But that window is not ignoring the drum. And so it's a similar kind of thing. You know, you could go say, and I'm just using this as an example. You could go somewhere where there's uh, protests or antagonisms or whatever. And if you've not really, if you haven't made peace in yourself uh, fundamentally, then that 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 hidden aggression, that buried passion, aggression, and ignorance is probably going to surface. And you know, you might be fine with it. it just might be really difficult feelings. You, you might not uh, uh, buy into it necessarily. You just might notice that you're you really get upset when you're around other people who are uh, idiots. Follow me? <laughs> some people are smiling, some people are not. <laughs> yes? Um, Sanho has a question. Yes. From Oklahoma. Go he ahead. asks, what's the relationship between freedom and choicelessness? So they're both concepts. Uh, freedom is a, is a more more relative, of course. It's like freedom to do this, uh, freedom to, you're not being locked up, so you're free to move around. It's a fairly simple situation, uh, which uh, Thomas Jefferson talked about it, but didn't really give it to his uh, the people he owned. So, And then uh, choicelessness just uh, is something that you observe as choice until you see the fundamental nature that everything is choiceless. I don't care if you're completely nuts, insane, or if you're completely enlightened and the center of the universe and the light rays are shining out of your head keeping all the mosquitoes away still choiceless there the idea of choice implies someone who makes choices this is it's just incorrect it's not like bad it's just that things are choiceless and the thing the reason it makes it so difficult is i'll here i'll show you i'll say if i want to reaffirm my self-centeredness my ability to make choices i can just go through any ritual a small one, I can pick this up. Well, I'm not going to because I have a choice. Can I can either pick this up or not pick this up. But so it's a, what, is, what is this? What's happening here? It's a very limited area, a very selected area that we're doing something or not doing something. But and this may you may be able to follow this. You may not. You may think it's uh, incomplete. But I did not create this hand. I did not create that. I did not create that table it sits on. So all that was presented, causes and conditions show up, and then you have this little tiny area where you have a little bit of movement where you can pick this up or not pick it up. But I can't touch, the t t take this and turn it into a turnip. I can't, I can't take this and make it vanish, Sano. <laughs> yes? In being free and well-favored, what does it mean to be favored without someone who's favoring? You're, you know, they're, they're, we're just talking about the polarity. of You're, you're well-favored in that you... Just to put it very simply, you, you hear the, uh, the Dharma, you hear a little bit about the Dharma, you hear it from a, a teaching, you hear it from a book, and something about that resonates with you. It might start out by being confusing. You might say, that, that can't be, that, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Then you might come back and read it. You might ask someone else about it. And you might, and you might see that there's, that you're, you're well-favored. It's just, we're just saying it's a, a way of talking about one's, uh, each person's karma, to use the fancy Sanskrit word, 
is open enough that that even though you might have confusion, you might have your hopes and fears and your own uh, difficulties still, there's enough openness there that you're actually willing to include, excuse me, include things that are, don't make much sense. But you're, there's enough curiosity there. This is what happens in, in, of the six realms which you've studied, the human realm. The difficulty with the human realm is intense passion and suffering, but also a lot of curiosity. The other realms are too busy with what they're dealing with. The hell realm with fighting, uh, uh, hungry ghost realm with getting stuff, uh, addiction, and the uh, animal realm with shutting down, and the uh, uh, jealous god realm with getting somewhere, beating the other people, state of mind, and the god realm with what's everybody making such a big deal out of everything for? I mean, I, have a, I always use the example, I have a Harley in the garage, two Mercedes, my, my mate is beautiful, I have a lot of money, What's everybody making such a big fuss? So I'm just saying, saying it also can be a god realm in the term, in terms of, a, of some state of mind, where someone just keeps maintaining some kind of uh, state of being above everything and successful. And so, whereas the human realm, the curiosity there is very strong about what what is happening, what is this, what is going on, what is it? It starts out with why questions, and if you continue, eventually will be what questions. The why questions, as I've said. Are circular. Why? Because. Why? Because. You can always find. You can find that. You can just spin and spin and spin. There's a, because it's, what you're doing is you're buying into relative truth, which is what relatively true. It's relatively true, but ultimate truth is what uh, this uh, teaching, spiritual path, is about. Ultimate truth, and ultimate truth is uh, does not abandon samsara, uh, but it does not include samsara. It is not separate from samsara. But you have to see it. If you don't see it, then your own mind, I'm not just accusing anybody of anything. Maybe this isn't happening, happening to you. Maybe I have, I'm speaking to the Buddha. Maybe you're all Buddhists. I'm just going to check and just see if there's any. Yeah, there's a room full of Buddhas. Yeah. What can I say? Not much. You have a question? What does it mean to be ill-favored? Ill-favored? Uh, a good question. So ill-favored, using that kind of polarity, would be someone who... Um, and not because we're we're have the, the the corner on the truth, so to speak. It just it's just a way of doing it. You might meet, you might go to somewhere else and find some other kind of teaching that would also be supportive to help you uh, transcend this world and see more deeply into what this world actually is. Uh, but the ill-favored part is someone who is so you know closed down and tied up. Um, you know, I think of my uh, my parents who when I was very young, I. I remember thinking they, they really, uh, I didn't have any word for it, but they, they have a lot of opinions. <laughs> I remember that when I was very young. And I wasn't sure what that all was about. And I, I also noticed that you couldn't have a conversation with them. They just told you things. You know, people who just tell you, tell you this and tell you. If you start to ask about something, uh, they would just, might even criticize you for even asking. Well, you ought to know that. <laughs> have you ever been treated that way? It's very uncomfortable. They're always right. Uh, yeah, they're always right. Yeah. Yeah, there is no, no discussion, no. So ill-favored would be, yes, being so. Well, look around the world and we see people who are, from the point of view of understanding, from a point of view of, they, ha they don't even know they have a heart. I mean, they know they have a physical heart. But as I say, come up out, this is the fear place. Come up out of the gut, into the heart. Drop down out of the paranoia, into the heart. You won't know what's going on. If you know what's going on, this is confusion. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you don't know how to walk through a doorway or you, you have to have, as Trunk Rinpoche once said, people are so 
spaced out, we need an enlightenment ward. <laughs> I don't know where he said that, but he said it. I think that did. Mary. I'm confused about karma is part of that. It's just things are, the, the very nature of karma is choicelessness. This happens, that happens, this causes that. But the thing, the thing that makes it difficult is to, to try to source any of that. Can't find a source. It's like uh, the image I've often used is standing at the mouth of the, of the Amazon and saying, where did this come from? It's one thing. It's just this big body of water. But if you go back, it's all these little things that have happened. All uh, I'm not here to promote past lives or anything like that. But something like that is going on before your birth. Something else was happening that pro produces this kind of appearance. This uh, a human being with uh, you already have uh, like when you talk to little tiny children, like Amalia. You know, you notice there's a very definite kind of personality. It isn't like a little more a little blank slates when running around. No, they're very very definitely. Some children are extremely peaceful and content all the time. My daughter was, uh, my, um, my daughter and, and her mom, we often talked, we had uh, several kids. We often said, well, if we just had Kateri, you know, we would have thought, what's the big deal? I mean, she's like happy all the time. No, I don't know how, Kateri, I don't know how you're doing now. <laughs> but she was, she was just a very delightful, sweet, cute, she was just a kind of ideal but then uh, with the boys, <laughs> not to be, uh, I guess, boys, but they were just, uh, you know, Mason, the boys. <laughs> they were just kind of at war on some level all the time, some kind of a deal going on. So everyone is so, comes into this world with so much, uh, the word everybody uses is baggage. And it's not about getting rid of it. That's, that's, that, that's what makes it different than therapy or different than some kinds of therapy, I should say, because there's hundreds of them. It's not about that, and it's not. It's it's about seeing it really, really deeply, and seeing it so deeply that you go down, you go down. You go, I'm just using this as a metaphor. Go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and then you eventually will see that there isn't one anyone having that. There's no ownership of anything. It's an astonishing thing to happen, and it's completely ordinary. You don't come out of it feeling superior to everybody. You come out of it knowing that you're not separate from anyone anywhere. The most confused, terrible. A person is uh, instead of seeing instead of seeing them as something to be against, what you see is you see how deeply they're suffering, and that's why they're acting that way. This is how you just you just, you meet someone who's just or see someone on television uh, anywhere. You see you see how deeply, and you also see that you're kind of helpless from the point of view of doing it because the causes and conditions that have brought about the situation go back. Well, if you want some years, how about a few thousand? You can't you can't trace it down. Here's what you can do: free and well favored, difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful. Find out who you are. If you find out who you are, uh, you don't even need Buddhism. Buddhism is a good support because it takes so much work, and so this sets up a structure. And you come in and you do kind of somewhat meaningless ritual over and over and over, which is about consciousness. It's not about worshiping anything. There's anything to worship. There isn't anything separate from anything else, so there's, there's no worshiper and there's nothing to worship. But we set up the polarity so it makes it easier in this relative world to actually practice. It's not easy to come in here and when, when more and more and more you're beginning to understand deep in your, in your heart that this is empty of anything extra. So realizing that, but not quite being there, but slowly that starts to happen. It can start to get more and more difficult 
And it's very tempting to blame someone for the intensity that happens. If you're, if you're the Doan, you're leading the chance, you can be hitting that and having done this hundreds and hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. At the same time you're doing this form, you see how you cannot repeat that form. It's always just slightly different tone, the different humidity in the room, different people in the room, different chanting. It's always different, yet we do it over and over and over again. It is about awareness. It's not about what occurs in the awareness. It's not about the clouds. It's about the sky. And even that is uh, just a provisional teaching or a way of approaching it. So if everything is in motion, uh, and you want to find out the truth for yourself so you can, so you can uh, find your own authority. Fundamentally, it's like you find your own authority, but what you find is there isn't any authority. But that doesn't mean you're an anarchist. It means that you, you are uh, at rest and you're at peace, even though you might toss and turn in bed. Everything's included already. Yes. How does um, finding out who you are mean? So when you find out who you are, you find out you're not separate from anyone. So this is actually seeing the Buddha everywhere. This is what the Buddha saw. Wherever he, where he looked, he saw awakening. Everything was awake. And so there's, there's, no, there, there's, no, there's no opposite. There's no other that you need to get rid of. There's no other that you need to join or get. So the grasping rejection and the distraction have been resolved in uh, perception only is the way it's taught in the Yogacara tradition. That everything you're perceiving, as long as there's a living being, and you, in your, you know, insofar as you have uh, perception happening, that everything you're seeing is just a perception. It's not an object, and there's not a subject. But, but it has to be done. You can, you can think about that. It even says that in Vasubandhu's 30 verses. You, you can talk about this, and you might be able to understand it. I you know, can't quote him exactly. But he's kind of pointing out, just reading this and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not it. It has to be has to be realized. You have to realize that everything that is happening is just perception. Just you're just perceiving. So it's not real. It's neither it's neither real nor is it unreal. It's not two. Everything comes together and, and, and it's not two. And it's and it's totally. This is what uh, uh, when it starts feeling like you're you know you're showing by your expression. You starts feeling it's it's ordinary magic. Chung Rinpoche talked about it. You can't you can't. Uh, you can't, you, can't, uh, you can't change anything, but you can certainly see what it is. And if you see what it is, all the warfare, all the guns melt, all the, the weapons dissolve. You don't have to melt them. You don't, it, it, at first, it kind of feels like you're, you're not taking ammunition to the front lines. You know that you're kind of fueling the aggression, and you, you somehow might found, find in your practice, or not, might find a way to stop doing that. And one of the ways it shows up is you feel the aggression, but you don't express it, and you and you have a you have a willingness to feel aggression forever. It doesn't have to go away. And the, the, the magical part of it is if you stop fighting anything, it dissolves. And why? Not separate. It, it, you actually the very thing you're fighting is you. So what's there is what's there, it's not necessarily. It's neither you or knows it not you. It's 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 not two, and that's why it's. Because we're so trapped in this relative situation, we're, we're just, you know, it's how do we, we have to, we, we feel, I'm just saying, speaking on your behalf somewhat, we feel like we have to understand it with the same understanding that I pick this up, I put this down. And it's not exactly that. That's, that's the motion part. That's why it's so necessary to hold still and watch what moves. And because what is actually doing the observing is not separate from what you're observing, but you have to see it. It's, it's
Yes. We got to go to the other. Uh, you can continue to ask questions and stay for daily Dharma gathering yeah. if you would like. It starts in five minutes. Yes. Okay. I'd like to call everybody's attention to the donation boxes in the hallway for Sogazan, uh, although the lock is broken, so put money in. <laughs> like Please don't take don't it out. May various penetrate to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.